Hello and welcome. I am Kim Keen, host of the One of a Kind You podcast. I started this podcast to share my journey of my past self, a woman who was struggling with leaving her teaching career and adjusting to stay-at-home mom life, to help other women with their motherhood journeys or their work-life balance journeys so they can let go and make themselves a priority without all the sacrificing. If you are a regular listener to One of a Kind You, thank you so much for tuning into another episode. I'm so excited that you're here. And if you are new, thank you so much for stopping by to check it out and see what it's all about. Um, and the way that this podcast usually works for my new listeners is that I read a journal entry of mine from about five or six years ago, and I reflect on what I know now as a certified life coach on what I wish I knew then in the thick of the struggle. But today I have an amazing guest on. She is um, an inspirational young woman. Her name is Nitty, and she is a fellow podcaster. And she's not a typical guest because she's 17. Um, which is amazing that at 17, she's starting her own podcast and her podcast is called Your Heard. Um, but a fellow podcasting friend of ours, um, who was actually a past guest on One of a Kind, you reached out and said, Kim, you have to have Nitty on your podcast because she has such an important message to share with the moms that tune in. So I said, yeah, let's make it happen. So here we are today. Welcome, Nitty. Thank you so much for being on One of a Kind, you. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you, Kim. I'm so excited to be on here and I'm so glad I'm able to receive this platform to share my ideas and especially with someone like you, who's again, very inspirational likewise. Oh, thank you. So um, Nitty, tell us, how um, did you decide to start a podcast um, while you're still working to finish high school? Um, I think because I was um, this, I come came up with this idea about a year ago and I was sitting at home and I was researching myself about mental health conditions because again this was something I was very very interested in as a kid I was someone who was super into psychoanalyzing people around me and trying to understand the people around me I think it was maybe a coping mechanism that I developed um because of things that happened within my family and experiences that I had had I adapted myself towards like a therapist-esque persona where I was like listening to the people around me and trying to digest what I'm taking in. And so last year I was more interested in actual diagnosis and mental health when I was like trying to understand myself. Um, I was going through depression and um, I finally understood that I actually had a, a mental health disorder that needed to be taken care of. And I realized that, you know, you develop your own sort of ideas and stigmas about these issues. But then when you actually learn about them, you see that there's a lot of like overlapping and then there's a lot of oversimplification of symptoms that occurs, like especially with our generation. Mm -hmm. So I started my podcast to be able to like talk about these mental health conditions individually and spread awareness in a very um, sort of direct way where I list out, you know, okay, so this is what happens. And then um, these could be symptoms. These are how some professionals like to advise. And I have like professionals on who sort of just advise and not, not advice, but talk about like the chemical backgrounds and things like that of disorders so that it steers us away from the whole stereotyping and people who actually feel have these disorders and are diagnosed with these disorders they have a you know voice they have someone who is able to tell them you know okay so this is how 
things could be for you and we hear you, you know, this is how you might be feeling. And that way, like, you know, they don't feel as alone. And I like being diagnosed with the disorder can be extremely like isolating. So I feel like having people knowing more about disorders in general is super important to feel more included and understood in the community so yeah that was one of the reasons why I decided to start the podcast yes I love it and I have to tell you um I also from a very young age was always interested in why do people do what they do to the point where um I was coming so I was a latchkey kid and that meant that I brought myself home after school so I rode the school bus home and then I had my own house key and I let myself in and it was my job to get my snack and my homework started until my parents got home from work and um so before you know getting started on homework and things I would always put a show on called cops which was like the first reality tv show in America where you basically it was like a ride along with a police officer and I was always fascinated about you know why were people getting in trouble with the police and then that bridged into like document watching documentaries on cults and serial killers and so I'm nine eight nine ten years old I've always also been fascinated with the psychology around human behavior and why do people do what they do and maybe like you it was a coping mechanism to help me understand things that I was experiencing in my childhood so I think it's fascinating that you also have that same interest and I still am infatuated I still love watching crime shows and um, different documentaries around um, cults and serial killers and true crime and things like that but um I also appreciate you sharing openly that you were um, battling with depression and and what that you know journey was like for you and um, and that's the one thing I wanted to say that I didn't say in the introduction is that this we're having a real open raw conversation and you're going to share things that might be triggering um, because there was a, a, a peer of yours that you were sharing with me before we actually hit the record button and. Um, some of the things that we were discussing can be triggering for some people, especially parents, if they have a child who's experiencing the same thing or um, could possibly be experiencing the same thing. So just to, you know, just to give everybody the fair warning that there are going to be things that we talk about today that could be triggering in terms of mental health problems and that includes self-harming and things like that. So um, just know, listen with caution and if any time you feel triggered um, not our intention, but just really helping to ha create a more open dialogue around these topics so that there's more acceptance, awareness, um, inclusion, but also uh, support too, because I think that's super important because usually when we're going through something like that, um, it, it often does feel isolating, like you said. And, and I was struggling with my own mental health situation when I left my teaching career, hence the reason I started this podcast, um, because that time was such a lonely time. Um, because no one knew that I was struggling. I didn't share it with anyone. I didn't want anyone to know because I felt like a failure and I felt like people would look at me in a not so great way if they knew that the struggle that I was going through was as bad as it was. Yeah. So, um, so you were battling with depression and, um, and I'm sure in high school that you know, did that stem from the pressure of getting good grades and participating in activities? Or, um, you know, what do you think was the cause of it? And do you see that same pressure or the same situation with your friends and them navigating the same struggle that you were navigating? Um, actually, no, for me, I think it's a bit different. So mm -hmm. uh, obviously 
you know, with other friends that I've seen going through symptoms of depression, there are overlapping, you know, symptoms and you see overlapping behavior. But then um, I think my cause is different because I went through some forms of childhood trauma, like losing really close family members and things and seeing things that probably you know children shouldn't have been seen between the ages of like six to say 13 mm-hmm. and um I think something that's like for me um I believe that my depression stemmed from the chemical changes that occurred so I during my developmental stages right like between six and 13 you're growing so much and um because I was going through so much change, I think my emotions were really disrupted and they were out of normal range. And so my serotonin levels were probably really low and that's something my brain probably adapted to. So for me, depression was something I seemed to be like stuck in. Mm -hmm. It was something that I thought, you know, I try to change things around me, but it didn't really work. So obviously in high school, that that affects you a lot, you know, with changing friendships, changing behavior that you see in yourself, especially, I think one of the biggest things with teenagers going through disorders or like um, issues is that we pick apart our own behavior, we analyze it so deeply that it eats at us, you know, we hyper fixate on things, we tend to like overthink things, we may even do what's called curve fitting, where we see one thing, and then we're like, Oh, what if we have this? What if we have this? But then really, it's just one symptom of an emotion or like one disorder, whereas we think, okay, I'm feeling restless, I have da 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 da. da. That's mm-hmm. probably also because of the internet, you know, social media, we yeah constantly get told you know okay you have abc you have depression and so again the crew fitting thing you tend to hyper fixate and eat yourself up you know telling yourself you know you have so many different issues and then it's it's depressing it affects your you know ability to have friendships you're changing friendships relationships even pressures in school you know you're like i'm not able to focus maybe there's something wrong with me and that's Mm -hmm. I think that's just how we've been conditioned to think yeah yeah absolutely and I and I I'm going to speak from adult an adult perspective but as adults when we're having the same struggles we do the same things (laughs) it's not just a teenage thing we do the same thing because we also have those same pressures from social media especially as moms, um, because we have the pressure from social media to A, look like the perfect mom, but we also have the pressure from social media to have the perfect kids. So okay. while you're like, while our kids are, are affected from the pressure of social media to show up in this perfect way, we also have that same pressure. Um, and so without realizing that the other is going through the same exact thing. Yeah. No, I, exactly. So like social media is like, there's so many good things about social media, but then it also comes about like with its drawbacks, like on social media, awareness can go two different ways. You know, there's awareness about mental health issues, like what we're doing, you know, Mm -hmm. podcasting, we're spreading awareness about issues and we don't do it in a way to say, you know, okay, you have this, this is your problem. This is your solution. You know, we do it in a way to sort of understand and like help. But then on social media, you have the other kind of awareness where it's like, 
harm like it's it's not with the intention of harming but it can go in that direction right so yeah. like on tiktok for example like i'm not gonna lie and say i don't use tiktok or tiktok's bad because i tiktok's part of my daily routine but then um there's like things on tiktok where you'll see people saying okay there's you know all of this and um you need to fit into this ideal like criteria to be considered something else and then everyone wants to be something else or like it's super confusing like you can go from talking just about mental health disorders to body image and things like that so I think we are constantly being told what we need to be and yes. what we are which is like I mean it's not just pertaining to teenagers it's adults as well so yeah yeah I totally agree with what you're saying yeah yeah and um, and so I've just started dipping the toe, like dipping my toe into TikTok and it feels so awkward and so uncomfortable, um, to be there because I'm not dancing. Like I absolutely refuse to dance on TikTok, but it's that same thing where it's like, sometimes I get hooked in the fact that I'm like, oh my gosh, this video only got 200 views. And I thought it was going to get way more than that because I did the, you know, did the same reel on Instagram and it got 9,000 views, but it only got 200 on TikTok. And so it is totally messes with your mind. So um, it's all about putting boundaries in place with social media and re remembering the reason for being on there. Is it fun? Is it a way to connect? But I agree, there are so many great things about social media. I mean, for instance, I'm in Pennsylvania and you're in Singapore. So um, without social media, without the connection of podcasting and Instagram, you and I would not be having this conversation right now. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, that's so the beauty. Exactly. It's, I mean, Sorry, you were saying. Yeah, it just, it takes away the global barriers. So like we now you're, it's 11 o'clock at night, your time. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, she should be in bed. <laughs> That's the mom and you're like, oh my God, she should be in bed, not talking to me on the podcast. But here I am across the Atlantic Ocean and we're able to have a conversation. Um, so I just think that's incredible. Um, so that's a huge gift in social media. Definitely. Like, um, I think we've been gifted with an abundance of resources and knowledge which could go both ways but I mean being able to connect with you like this is mind-blowing yeah yeah when you put it into perspective especially with the pandemic yes um yeah and I think even though the pandemic has been so restrictive I think on some level it's been so opening too um, because I feel like with the pandemic, I've been able to connect more with people in Europe and overseas that I wouldn't have necessarily had the opportunity to connect with if we didn't have the pandemic. So there's another silver lining. But I know with the pandemic, that's also been a huge source of um, mental health. Like that's been a huge, I'll say, agitator for mental health issues. And I can't imagine what that's been like for teenagers Um because you're used to being in school and having that connection with your friends at school. And then that was taken away for some time and then changed with virtual learning and all of that. So um, how has that been with trying to keep a sense of normalcy um, in life when you've gone from being in school with all of your friends to not having that connection? Um, I think like in terms of school, I think it's very different for different people. Like mm -hmm. for me in particular, um, being there in person while it's, you know, very entertaining, it's very 
you know, engaging, we're able to actually have better discussions in person. Um, I, I struggle with focusing. So like, it's not that I get distracted, but I might like zone out or something. And that translated online and made it like a lot worse, you know, mm -hmm. I'd be, like on a desk, just staring at a computer screen for like six hours. And obviously I'd have my breaks, but then like, it's very, very hard to be able to adjust to that kind of mindset to adjust that to that kind of routine where you're just staring in one position it's completely out of the ordinary you know I don't think it's anything any of like normal people normal people would be used to you know people yeah. who work like nine to five jobs and like a company or say someone who travels a lot like going down and being put into a routine that's not your own it's mm -hmm. so so like it can confuse you can be so draining as well one thing like that came out of the pandemic that not came out but like I realized from the pandemic is like people don't talk about this enough but it's something that affected me it affected a lot of my friends as well like you'll have so many new insecurities that you didn't real realize that you had earlier like because earlier you'd meet more people in person you know if you were talking to someone you'd probably meet them in person at some point or like if you're getting close to someone you would have seen them in real life you would have hung out with them or something like along the lines whereas when we got into the pandemic we're so used to just meeting people online you know we I became super aware of my online presence you know I felt the need to post or I felt the need to constantly be on social media and not validating myself but like constantly posting myself or like trying to understand how or help people that I didn't know know who I was or um just my online presence like house party started and like everyone's video calling and then when you meet those people in real life suddenly there's all these like there's this pressure and like stress or nervousness that you've feel that you may not have felt earlier like post pre-pandemic like mm -hmm. I was so much more nervous about meeting people in real life than I would have been before I I think like a lot of people came out of the pandemic with like social anxiety and like a lot of new insecurities right so yeah. and that that's stayed like throughout so even now I'm super conscious about posting on social media I don't post much anymore because I'm so scared of the difference with me behind the scenes and in online you know I think that's something a lot of people struggled with getting out of as we move on to like you know post-COVID sort of now, obviously we're not in post-COVID but we're living with COVID now you know people yeah. are so down and like in most places you see people a lot so I think that adjustment's also really really scary in a sense yeah so it's like the fear of like okay I've been showing up on social media and now am I going to measure up the same way in person that I was on this you know the way that people see me on a device and it's interesting that you say that because my 12 year old does not have social media she has a cell phone but it's like an older, um, it's like the bare bones, uh, phone. It's like, it's not a, it's not an Apple phone. It's like a Samsung or something. I don't know. And, um, 
but she doesn't have social media. So she doesn't have Instagram. She doesn't have TikTok. She doesn't have any of it. No Snapchatting. And she doesn't want it. She's like, I don't want it, uh, which I'm like, thank goodness. Let's not tackle social media until we absolutely have to. But for the pandemic, for um, the 2020-21 school year, so when she was in fifth grade, she just finished sixth. But when she was in fifth grade, she did that whole school year virtually. And Lily is so social. She's so outgoing. She very much is a person who thrives on human interaction and social connection face-to-face. And so for her, it was a struggle to be uh, basically behind a computer screen. And she would say things like, "Um, when I go back to school in person in the fall to start sixth grade, no one's even going to know who I am because there's so many new kids at school. And she's like, it's almost like I'm disappearing from school. So she felt like she was going to have to start over again with making friends and adjusting to the new people at school, which is really ironic because she's been at the same school since she was in pre-K three. And so um, almost 10 years, she's been at the same school and the amount of new kids and um, that start there, it's very minimal, but in her mind, she had created it to be this big thing because she hadn't been there in person for a whole school year. Um, so, and when the school year started in, in the fall and she went in person, she did fine. She adjusted, everybody remembered who she was. Um, but she had that moment where she thought, oh my gosh, I'm vanishing and no one knows that I exist anymore. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's like awful for someone to feel that way. So, and then to add social media on top of it, I just can't even imagine, um, you know, the mental struggle that's there, the emotional struggle, the social struggle, it's a lot. And I think sometimes as parents, we don't get it um, because we didn't grow up with social media. So social media didn't become a thing until I was in my mid twenties. So maybe early twenties, but it really wasn't a big thing growing up because in high school I had a pager because cell phones weren't even a thing. Like to have a phone that connected to the internet Like literally your cell phone just was used for calling people and talking on the phone like a regular phone. So, um, so I think sometimes as parents, it's hard for us to tap into those struggles because it's not the same struggle that we had growing up. So we don't get it. And then we think like, oh, you're just being dramatic. Oh, you're being sensitive. Oh, get over it. Like, you know, you're fine. Um, And so I'm sure I know that's not a serving way. So um, what do you think, like, are there warning signs that we can look for as parents, like to be like, oh my gosh, you're struggling with social anxiety or, oh my gosh, I think you're struggling with depression or anxiety. Um, Like, what do you want us moms to know, Nitty, so that we can make, um, be more helpful? I think definitely one of the things that you would notice as a mother, like, you know, seeing your kid at home most of the time, I guess, like in that situation, you'd notice the, so like, there's definitely isolation that Mm -hmm. can occur. You'll see that they're distancing themselves. You may just, you see a lot of the time it gets passed off as, oh my God, she's just on her phone all the time, or he's just on his, they are just on their phone all the time. And it's just an attitude problem or something like that but then you know when you really look at it it could just be them trying to be by themselves because they don't want to have that company or they're not comfortable enough in that company or just outside of their little like shell you know Mm -hmm. and um so isolating is a thing um 
I, I noticed like in a lot of people that I've been around and me as well, like the changing of appearance is also a huge thing. So you'll see that maybe they're tapping into like doing their hair differently or like doing their makeup differently or like getting into makeup or being super conscious about how they look, things like that. You know, if you see new insecurities being developed, you may, maybe you could think about it as, you know, they're definitely going through some self-doubt or they're, it could also be them just exploring themselves and like seeing what works for them, what doesn't. But I think having that conversation with them about, you know, how they see themselves or whether they're feeling insecure is definitely something that's important. Like having a conversation with my mom about how I'm feeling about myself on a certain day really helps me and helps her understand what kind of struggles I'm going through. Right. Yeah. So, so do you, so does your mom start the conversation with you and, and you're open to talking or do you go to your mom and say like, I'm really struggling. Can I talk to you? Um, my mom in particular, like we, we've very recently gotten a very, very good relationship, like a tight knit sort of relationship. And, um, so now I feel like I can talk to her about anything. And I think she sees it. Like if I'm feeling insecure, I'll be like, oh my God, I feel so ugly right now. Or like, I'll just say it, you know, I'll be able to say it. And, um, um, yeah, it's like a pretty transparent conversation, but then I get that a lot of people don't have that kind of closeness with their parents, which it used to be like that. Like, I, I don't think I'd be able to just openly say that, but, um, I definitely did have a huge transition recently. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I feel like if, um, if you're a mother that's not super close with your kid and you want to have that conversation about, you know, body positivity or like body confidence, self-confidence, or just a con like a conversation about their mental health. I think just, you know, people usually go into a particular dialogue where you'll be like, Oh, you know, you can talk to me about anything. You know, that's what you always hear, but that's not, you know, we're so used to hearing that, everyone says that now, you know, you go anywhere, you're feeling tired. Someone will be like, oh, are you okay? You know, you can talk to me about anything. It's like something we're so used to hearing. So obviously at some point that's going to stop working. You yeah. Know? And um, like, I think we're all trying to figure that out. Yeah. But as a mother, I understand that it could be like super stressful, like not being able to inst- like instigate that conversation. So yes. um sorry, initiate that conversation. Um, I think maybe sitting down with them and like connecting on a particular topic that Mm -hmm. maybe the child feels like passionate about or like you can lead it into something that she's very interested in so that you're already in an engaging conversation and then taking it somewhere. So if I'm like talking to my mom about something like it could be anything you know maybe even a sport that I'm super interested in and then from that depth of a conversation we take it to another conversation that translation it rarely you would feel like oh my god wait what's going on you know you wouldn't Mm -hmm. just suddenly detach yourself from the conversation like if you have like a transition into another conversation I think that's something that would really help you get something out or like be able to establish that relationship in that time. Yeah. I love that idea. And 
One thing that um, my daughter and I did when she was a little bit younger, um, when it was like time to start having the conversation about body changing from puberty and things like that, um, she didn't, she, I was like, you know, do you want to talk about it? And she was like, nope, I don't want to have that conversation with you. And she was like, I'll just write you a note if I have any questions. So I said, okay, that's fine. And so I ordered her a special journal. And so um, I let her pick the journal out. And then that was how we had the conversation about any questions she had um, because she read the American Girl Doll book about, it's called My Body, I think. And so that was how we navigated that time was through writing in a journal because I think for there, that was easier for her to get her thoughts and her questions out on a piece of paper and not have to look me in the face um, and then get the answer. And then she could process the answer that I had given her. And then if she had more questions, so it gave her time to really think through what she wanted to say, but it also gave her time to think through my response. So then she could decide if she had any additional questions or wanted to comment or anything like that without the pressure of me sitting there looking at her like, so Lily, do you have any questions? Do you, is there something you want to talk about? I have a question about that. Like, yeah. You just pretend that wasn't happening in real life. So like when you're going about your day, you just put the note somewhere and then just pretend it wasn't happening. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. So I she that would go really well. Yeah. So she would um, typically either slide the journal under my bedroom door um, or she would leave it right outside of her bedroom door or she would put it on the table next to my bed. And then I would write back and I would slide it under her door or I would leave it on her bedside table or even on her desk. And then so that's it was there. So it was also not something that she had to look at right away, even though I think she did. Like as soon as she saw that it was there, she went over and she read it right away. Um, but it so it was there, but it wasn't like had to be addressed immediately. So it gave it it gave it her it gave her an opportunity to address it in her own time. Um, and so that worked. And then, you know, she got all the answers she needed to know. And then the journal went back into the drawer and we haven't used it in a while. Um, but I'm sure it will come back out again because now we're, you know, at the point where we're talking about having crushes on boys and things like that. So I'm sure be mortified to know that I just said that on this podcast, because of course that would be <laughs> embarrassing for her because right now all she says is that I'm cringe. And she's like, you're so cringy. You're being so cringe right now. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm a cool mom. Come on, Lily. And she's like, no, cringe. I was like, huh, thanks. I try really hard to be a cool mom. Unlike my own parents I'm working really hard at this, Lily, cut me some slack sister, but she's, um, she's just at that age. So I, sometimes it hurts my feelings and, and I just, you know, process through it on my own. And I understand, you know, where she's coming from because I felt the same way about my own parents. Um, but then sometimes I think she's just doing it to get a rise out of me to see what mm -hmm. I'm going to do. Um, but I didn't know, Nitty, if you wanted to talk at all about um, what you and I were talking about before we hit record um, with the things that you've experienced with classmates at school, or if you don't want to talk about that. Um, I mean, I'm open to talking about it, but then I, I do want to like respect her privacy and things. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. So, so not specifics, things. just in general, mm -hmm. like what was, uh, I guess, learned from that situation for you, um, with your own friends or, um, 
the takeaway, like, so that way, as parents, we know, because um, I don't think so what we're talking about is suicide. And so I think it's a more common problem than we realize. And I don't think that we always see the signs. And so um, looking back, and just the gist of it, it was that there was um, a situation with a suicide at Nitty's school. And so Nitty, like looking back, was there something like, what was the biggest thing that you gained um, for, in regards to insight from having this situation happen? Um, so definitely what I noticed was the diff different coping mechanisms that mm -hmm. were there. So um, it, it was so sudden. So we went to school one morning and then at home base, we were, so home base is basically like the 10 minutes that you get before all of your lessons start and so that's that homeroom okay homeroom right so um yeah so we were just told on that we were just told um I think it was an email and the teacher read it out and they were like okay so we're so sad to inform you that this happened and if you need anything you know you can come down to the welfare center or the office and like, obviously everyone was like shocked, you know, everyone, like you could hear like whispers going around and me, especially, I was just baffled, you know, yeah. I, I could have never seen that coming on that morning, you know, just coming into class and hearing that someone that I was tutoring like a few months ago committed suicide. Like it was the least expected thing because you hear about it. You hear about it. There are people around you who feel like doing it and like, you may have distant people who've done it, or you you may have yourself felt tendencies, but then when you see that someone's actually done it, it puts things into like huge perspective, mm -hmm. right? And um, so, sorry, one second. Oh, that's okay. I'm just getting my charger. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it put things it put things into like perspective for me um not just the whole thing of someone committing but also like the response that it was getting so yeah I like I reacted I I'm somewhat sensitive so especially to death and um you know loss so for me I was in shock I was emotional throughout the day I wasn't able to like focus at all you know and then I'd see people just going about their day, people who knew her. And I was, I was so confused because I thought this was going to be monumental. I thought this was going to be something that really shocked us all, as it did me. People stopped talking about it so fast. And we had an event the next day that, like, it was like a dress-up day or something. And I expected it to, like, be canceled or something in honor of her, something along the lines. But nothing, nothing happened. We just went on with it. And But the teachers were obviously, like, with respect to her, this and that. But, like, coping with that difference, like, knowing, it was always in the back of my mind, right? Yeah. And when you talk about like the things I learned from the experience itself is like, you know, you never know. You, you think you know everything. You know, you think you're so aware of what's happening with the people around you. You think you're super aware about 
you know, the general state of the people around you. And then something like this happens and it really shocks you, you know, which is why I can imagine how hard it would have been for people who were like even closer to her than I was. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, I was, I tutored her maybe like twice and it took me so far with my emotions and people who were actually friends with her. I can't even imagine what kind of reflection they would have been going through. So as a parent, like if, if you're wondering as a parent, like, imagine how stressful it would be you know being in the dark about something like this you know not being sure should I be worried about whether or not my child is facing these like these issues and stuff like it can be extremely scary because you know you never know and and mental health I feel like um I don't know about the state of Singapore but I feel like America we are in a mental health crisis and I feel like there are not enough um facilities, beds available in facilities for people to go get the help that they need. So um, they suffer alone in silence and um, feel hopeless about it and feel like there's no no hope, no, no hope, no help, no resources, no nothing. Um, and so I feel like, you know, they resort to that. And um, there are adults that I know who have had, um, who've experienced suicide in their families uh, with uh, other adult members. And I, and that's, you know, awful to go through. So to have it happen to someone who's so much younger, I just can't even imagine the impact. Um, but one of the other things that you wanted to share was that, um, and I think this is so important, and I kind of alluded to this, is that I think sometimes we see people and they're struggling and we dismiss them as being dramatic or, um, overreacting or being super sensitive or just needing to get a grip. And we minimize what's really happening and what's really taking place. And I think because we minimize it, we kind of cut ourselves off to actually noticing the true warning signs and the things that are really taking place. Um, and it might be a coping mechanism for us because we're not really sure how to help or what to do to move forward. But I think when we do make those comments like, oh, stop being so dramatic or, oh, uh, stop being so sensitive, it implies this um, lack of resiliency. It implies that they're not capable of overcoming things. It implies that there's some sort of weakness. Um, and do you, I mean, do you see that too? Or do you feel that? And do your the kids that you go to school with feel that? Um, I think definitely there's like that stigma that our generation, because, you know, we have all this awareness, we have an abundance of awareness, we have so much understanding, like understanding as in we, like, you know, we hear the terms being thrown around a lot. And so it's something that's always there, you know, like mental health has become one of the most talked about things. And so there's this general stigma that people who talk about their mental health or like um, talk about what they're going through, especially, you know, there's like the generation difference. Usually it's people of older generations saying this about our generation where like they consider us weak, you know, because we're, you know, something that may have affected them when they were, at, you know, in your generation, something that affected you maybe it has a bigger effect on us and we are super sensitive to that is just how you guys see it right but I think what the real difference is is that you know 
back then you would know your circle you know your small circle you had that knowledge of the people around you but you know we have tens of thousands of people we learn about like almost every month you know we just keep finding new people you know even if it's just going through your feed on instagram or tiktok and you just see one person you automatically know that person right mm-hmm. and like you can so quickly get their story whereas in back in the day like for you guys i'm assuming um like you would just know about the people around you so and most of the time those people wouldn't be able to say what they were going through you know it wasn't so accepted because you didn't know that other people were going through the same thing mm-hmm. you know you didn't know so many people were going through the same thing so you didn't have that sort of society where you were able to talk about what you were going through and yeah. feeling accepted feeling normal but then for us it's more normalized which is good you know we're working towards normalizing mental health disorders and mental health conditions so we find it a lot easier to talk about it which i get you know like there's a difference between how much it was talked about back then and how much it's talked about now but in a way that's good it's good that we're talking about it now because people feel more included we feel more safe within the people around us you can easily turn to someone and say hey, I'm feeling kind of anxious. Can we go sit somewhere else? Or like, can you come with me to the bathroom so I can cool down? Maybe I'm about to have a panic attack. I need a break, you know? Mm -hmm. It's easier to say those things now than it would have been back then. People would have just looked at you like you were crazy, you know? Mm -hmm. I I think that's something that's very different to what it is now. Whereas, like, there's also the difference, you know, if I tell my like if, if someone tells their parent that they're feeling a certain way and then they say to their parent that their friend's feeling a certain way, there's a very different response, you know? Like the parent might see the friend as like, oh my God, what's going on? Like, why is she like that? Mm-hmm. But then when it's your own kid, you see it differently. I think there's just that stigmatism that needs to be like broken down a bit more because you, you really only understand when it's your own mm-hmm. and then you start to apply it further you know, outside that circle, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And yes, so I was born in 1982. So um, go growing up, we had a telephones with a that hung on the wall with a cord. So you could only go as far from the telephone as the cord would allow you to. And then it was like amazing when we got a cordless phone because then we could walk around the whole house and talk on the phone. Like what? Mind blowing. Um, but then cell phones started off in a black, like leather pouch and you had never could get cell reception. And they were really only good for like, if you got a flat tire and you needed to call like roadside assistance or something. Um, so it's crazy. Like for me, being born in 1982 to where we are now with technology in terms of the ability to communicate. So email um, wasn't a thing, you know? So it was like, you could talk to your friends in your neighborhood. You talk to the people that you knew at school um, and you talk to your family that like lived in your immediate house. But like, you only saw people outside of that circle if it was like a family function. So like some people we only saw at Christmas or at Thanksgiving and we didn't have a lot of contact with them. And so like, we still sent letters through the mail, like putting a stamp on them. And so then when email came along, that was earth shattering. Cause like, wow, there was that sense of instant communication. And then social media has just turned that on its head and smartphones. And so I think 
now there's definitely more awareness and there's more ways to connect. But I think there's that feeling if someone isn't telling us that we're weak for having the mental health struggles that we're having, I think on some level we tell ourselves we're weak because we see other people on social media and they look like they're, they've got it figured out. Um, and then we feel like we don't because we're doing that whole comparison thing. Um, and so it's interesting because there was um, just scrolling through TikTok. I saw this TikTok of this woman who was sobbing and um, basically shared how she was married to her best friend, but was miserable um, and was miserable at work. So anyways, long story short, she um, left the marriage. She decided or she came out of the closet. She was like, you know, decided that she wanted to still be friends with the ex-husband, but wanted to be in a relationship with a woman, left her career and now is traveling the, the country in an RV. And, um, and for her, that seemed to take all of her problems away. But then not everybody has the ability to just quit everything in life and go live in an RV and drive all over the country. So then you see like almost like this glamorized lifestyle of like, oh my God, I was miserable in life. So I just left everything. I got an RV and now I drive around the world and I see these beautiful sights. So now life is good. So it's like, it makes it feel like, oh my gosh, well, my life could never be good because I'm not, don't have the opportunity to go driving around the country in an RV by myself living it up. So I feel like there's kind of like that pressure there to also get it figured out to make the pain stop. And then when you can't do that and you're still stuck in that spiral of it all, it perpetuates that feeling of weakness. Like, well, why can't I figure it out? Why can't I make the change? Why can't things be better for me? Um, mm -hmm. And so I think it goes back to what you said, Nidia, earlier about social media is that the more we're on social media, we start looking outside of ourselves for the answers. Yeah. Instead of tapping in to what, because we all have the answers within us and what's right for us and what's good for us. And, but I think we lose sight of that because we have so, it's like information overload and human connection overload. So it's really easy to get lost in it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. Like, it's so easy to, you know, there's like, I think I, I just call this stepping back. Like, you know, you, sometimes you get lost in this other sort of reality where it's like, you know, what happens around you. And the, like, I, I, I don't know, I realized this very recently, you know, like, when I actually step back and look at myself and look at the life that I'm living, I realize that it's a lot different to what I project or a lot different to what sometimes I get so, you know, clouded by, like, mm -hmm. the answers can be so simple. But then we, like, overcomplicate things so fast, like, you know, um, things like, you know, like I was, I was talking to a friend recently and this was like general like relationship talk. Right. So, um, so like we have some friends who, you know, struggle to leave a relationship. Right. And they're, they're not sure whether they're going to be okay without a relationship and things like that. And like, when I, when I looked back and I like thought about it, like, if you, if you're like, when you're able to leave a relationship and if you're worried about how you're going to be without the person, I think the problem is that you don't see yourself without um, 
that person there you know you don't see yourself as whole without that person there and I think with us we're so quick to glamorize the idea of being in a relationship you know we so fast we're like you know we get asked all the time oh are you dating somebody you Mm -hmm. know it's like an expectation to be in a relationship like we get so lost in the idea that our sole purpose in this time you know like apart from studies is to find a guy you know like find a relationship have like that side life going on and it's it's just it's not like that like when you look at it really it is a choice you know it's so easy to just make that choice you're not different for not having a relationship you're not different for wanting to be independent but Mm -hmm. like when people like you you, even like you see the prettiest people and you're like oh do you have a relationship and you they're like no and then you hear what why not you're so pretty so it's like this automatic with social media with the way that our generation's changing and like ideals are changing adults are also understanding kids better and things you have this pressure to fit into one sort of body you know the one sort of idealistic life and at the end of the day I think what it really narrows down to is just doing what you want you know doing what's good for you but people so easily lose track of that like I know that I lost track of that a while back like I was doing things just for the sake of doing them because I thought it was what I was supposed to do but then recently I took a step like I took a step back where I changed so many things in my life and I found how simple life can really be like you know I had a bunch of like loose ends like friendships and things that weren't benefiting me you know there was drama but I felt this like constant need to like fix things and like you know keep that relationship there forgive and things like that like I'm not saying forgiveness is bad but I'm saying like you know there is that time where you can draw the line but I think we forget that we so easily forget that we have choices you know and we really need to put ourselves first which is what I think everyone like not just kids I think everyone's losing sight of that that really it is our life and we need to put ourselves first and I think that's the first step to you know really taking care of your mental health is realizing what your own boundaries are what you want and what's gonna help you and like when it's it's so easy to just say it and so easy to just say okay yeah choose what's right choose what's wrong and like cut it off it's obviously a lot harder than that but really it narrows down to what you think's good for you which is what like it was it was like a mind-blowing like revolutionary thing for me that I realized and it's all I ever talk about like you'll hear me talking to my mom about it like in the balcony every other day I'll just be like oh my god mom I'm so happy I realized this (laughs) and I think it's amazing that you've realized it at such a young age um, because that's gonna save you so much struggle and stress and pain and heartache and frustration as you continue to finish high school and go to university and have relationships. And I just think like, wow. So Nidhi, you are such um, a wise person (laughs) for just being 17 Um, and not to minimize 17. I mean, you've had life experience, but a lot of people I will say who have reached 30s, 40s, 50s have not achieved that insight that you've achieved at your age. So I think that's amazing. And I think you 
are absolutely right. The, the place to start is putting yourself first. And you're right. It's not easy to do that. And so it's like just starting small with one thing. And it can be the example I give is this is such a silly example, but it's like even just picking the toothpaste that you like, like it can be something that simple um, to start for for prioritizing yourself, because if you can start with the small things, then you can take it to the bigger things. So um, is there anything else that um, I could, we could chat forever and ever, but I'm like trying to be mindful of the time. I'm like, okay, it's midnight. You've got to get to bed. (laughs) So, um, because I don't know what you have in store for tomorrow. Um, But is there anything else that you would like to share with us before we wrap up? I mean, like adding on to what you just said, right? The whole thing about putting yourself first as daunting, like this was again, a conversation I was having recently with a friend, as daunting as it seems, you know, it's it's a chain reaction. It's like a mindset that you subconsciously get sucked into once you start, you know, like because of how rewarding it is, you know, when you put yourself first for the first time or like, consciously putting yourself first and receiving the fruits of that you feel how good it is right so it's that reward that makes you realize that you can do it more and more and more so I think like to anyone that's afraid of putting themselves first start small like you said start small feel how good it is and continue obviously may not always go the right way but it's just about being mindful and like making that conscious decision and feeling the reward of it even if you feel bad for doing a certain thing you really need to put it into perspective that's something like I think we lose track of with social media with just the you know ideals that keep getting projected onto us like we lose track of what life and reality really is really is just a step back and looking at things from your own perspective and how your life is revolving around you. So yeah, that's, that's basically all that I have to say. I hope I answered your questions already. Yes. Oh my gosh, you did amazing. And so a couple of times I was like, Oh, I hope I didn't put too much pressure on her to make her feel like she has to come up with the right answer, but no, everything has been great. And I think this is going to be so helpful because, um, it's always helpful for us to hear the perspective of someone else. And I think from the, from a mom, it's super perspective to hear. It's super helpful to hear the perspective of a young woman, because you are not farther. You're not that much farther along in the journey than my daughter. You're four years older. Um, but I can see where there are similarities between what you're experiencing at 17 and what she's experiencing at 12, almost 13. And so it gives me things to look out for and to keep in mind as I'm trying to help her navigate things um, through her teenage years and high school and college and things like that. So um, it's been super helpful. And I'm sure that the other moms who are listening would say the same thing. And um we will put the link to your podcast in the show notes so um, that anyone who wants to take a listen can go right there. Um, And then also like any social media um, that you would like us to follow you on, we would be happy to do that. So I'm also following Nitty on Instagram for her podcast account. And um, we'll put the link for that there as well. And Nitty, I just wanted to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us and share your insights and your awareness and your experience and your knowledge. It's been incredible. And um, if there's ever a time where you feel like you want to come on again and share other things that you've 
um, learned or knowledge that you've gained or experiences that you've had that you think will be helpful for us to listen to, um, we, I would love to have you back. Um, so just know that the invitation is there. Thank you so much again for having me as yeah. well. All of your kind words and wisdom. Like it really means a lot. So thank you. Awesome. You're welcome. So we'll keep in touch, Nitty. And if you found this episode helpful, please feel free to share it with a friend. The more the merrier. And also, if you found this episode helpful, please feel free to leave a review. I take the time to read all the reviews to ensure that the feedback that you provide, um, I take that, I use it to continually improve this podcast. So it's a space where you feel supported and safe, but also a place of guidance, a resource, because um, let's face it, us moms and us women we have to stick together. So thank you so much for tuning into another episode of One of a Kind You, and I will see you next week.